What's up, everybody? It's Brian Barrett from Off the Pike, where we're gearing up for another exciting NFL season. We'll be with you every Sunday after the Pats with three-time Super Bowl champion James White to recap the game and break down the biggest moments. Plus, episodes Tuesdays and Thursdays to cover all things Patriots with your favorite Boston sports guests, as well as familiar voices from the Ringer Podcast Network. So follow Off the Pike with me, Brian Barrett, on Spotify. It's the Ringer Gambling Show, presented by FanDuel. The road to the NBA Finals starts now, and FanDuel is the best place to get in on the action. Right now, you can check out the new and improved Quick Bets, which are back, and better than ever for the NBA playoffs on FanDuel. Find what you're looking for faster and easier with more props right at your fingertips. You can check out live bets like 3-Minute Markets and exclusive live bets like quarter player props, player assist combos, and more. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, official partner of the NBA. The Ringer is committed to responsible gaming. Please visit rg-help.com to learn more about the resources and helplines available and listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 plus, 18 plus, and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 100-GAMBLER. Visit rg-help.com. Let's roll, baby. Welcome in. The East Coast Bias Boys back by popular demand after week one NFL in the books, with the exception, of course, of Monday Night Football with the Buffalo Bills taking on the New York Jets. We got a lot to chew on. We got Joe House, Raheem Palmer, yours truly, J.J. Janzi And the reason, fellas, the voice might be a little hoarse, full disclosure, a lot of hooting and hollering during that Dolphin Charger game, that's for sure. Uh, a couple of podcasts, a couple of TV shows, and here we are getting ready to talk about what we witnessed in the first Sunday of football. So, Joe House, big takeaway. I got to give you some props, baby. Fading those rookie quarterbacks. How about that for a parlay, big boy? Yeah, I want to start off by patting all of the wise guys on, on the back. You know, group hug. We really did a great job, I think, setting everybody up for a nice Sunday and it was a pleasure doing the TV show with you gentlemen. Um, I only got yelled at for a couple things, so I feel like it was a, a success, but the most oh, that's important a major thing, step in the right direction for you. Only a few <laughs> things. Know, nice house. Only a couple things, but uh, the most important thing is trying to steer everybody in the right direction. The only glaring, uh, you know, sort of mistake that we had was investing in, in the Pittsburgh Steelers at home because they just flat out did not, show up and the 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 takeaway of of the weekend is you know how impressive those NFC the top of class in the NFC is because we really got a, an unbelievable performance out of the San Francisco 49ers and the Dallas Cowboys and I honestly think even Philadelphia in a little bit of a transition with new personnel and new uh, uh coordinators that was an impressive win I I think holding on there in the second half against the, the Patriots up in New England, tough situation for them. But NFC looks good, Dream. Oh, yeah, and they look really, really good. I mean, well, the top two teams the top. in the NFC look really good because the Dallas Cowboys and the 49ers truly separated themselves. Now, obviously, the, the Cowboys have dominated the Giants for quite some time. So this wasn't really a test for them when you look at the fact that I mentioned it yesterday on the Wise Guys show that Wink Martindale blitz 
versus the Cowboys is just a bad position. And then also when you look at the fact that the the Cowboys, their defense is just so fast and the, the, the Giants offensive line is just no match for them. So that wasn't really a test for them, but I was like more impressed with the 49ers because this felt like a really tough spot for them. You got Brock Purdy coming off of a torn UCL and his first start and they went down the field at, at will to the point where they actually shut it down. And at one point there was actually a graphic that showed total yards. It was 199 total yards to one. Um, it was basically extended garbage time through the entire second half. It's a great point on Purdy because one of the main questions going into this season was Mr. Relevant for real with what he was able to do down the stretch with what he was able to do in a playoff game or two can he go and do that again? And how is he going to look recovering after rotator cuff surgery? Is he going to have the same juice on his throws? Is he going to be able to run that Shanahan offense? And he did. And you know how the Steelers, I think they are going to be the team that everybody puts in that classic overreaction category. Like, I think people overreacted to maybe inflating the Steelers as far as where they belonged in the AFC pecking order going into week one. And now I think people are going to overreact in selling their stock after they got beat by hands down one or the second or the third best team in the NFC. Like, there's no shame in getting your ass whooped by the Niners. The Niners are really, really good. I, I agree with that. I will say I personally was not that bullish on this Steelers team this season, just because of the murderer's row that is that AFC North. I think all three of the other AFC North teams are better than the Steelers and the Steelers can still win nine games and be right there. Like I, you know, when we were trying to figure out our futures, there's no scenario under which you're going to have me betting against the Steelers getting to, to a winning season under Mike Tomlin, but they, they could still very easily be on the outside looking in the one thing that I said on one of our shows in the, in the, in the preparation was, you know, I still have my doubts about Kenny Pickett. We didn't see anything yesterday to, to, you know, change my mind about that, but they were up against a formidable defense. You know, the, 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 maybe the second most impressive defensive performance of the day. Cause that Dallas defense was absolutely dominant, but dream who, who else impressed you yesterday? Oh, before we move on to the, um, who else impressed me, I, I got to talk about the Steelers because we've already seen the market move on that game. The Steelers were supposed to be one point favorites um, next week against the Cleveland Browns at home. They're, they've now moved to two and a half. And wow. It, wow. The Steelers are two and a half point dogs at home. Wow. Yes. Okay. So. That tells you some of the overreaction that we're seeing throughout the market. Interestingly enough, I mean, this line is lighting up like Christmas tree right now. I have the eyes screen up. It went to two and a half. And right away, you got some sharp money pounded right back down to one and a half. I mean, as we're speaking, recording this podcast Wish right I now. I grabbed so, that two and a half for him. Full disclosure. Not going to lie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, um, I mean, that tells you some of the overreaction that we see in the market from week one to week two. Now, as far as who else impressed me, I think. You have to go to the Miami Dolphins. I mean, last year, you looked at how much they struggled against the, the Chargers. And this week, I mean, like Tua was just 
an absolute monster. Tyreek Hill, he got whatever he wanted out there on that field yesterday. So that was the the, the biggest thing that impressed me just because like that was a, just a, a swift turnaround. Well, that was the game of the day. I don't think there's any question about it. It kind of brought you back, if you're an old school NFL fan, to like the AFL days or the Fouts Marino days with the way those two offenses were just moving up and down the field. And what I liked house about Miami in that particular game, they had to deal with some adversity. You know, they're down in the fourth quarter. Tua had to make the big throw to Hill down the field on third down. They got to convert a third and 10 to score a touchdown. They missed the extra point. And I said this when we did our digital wise guys show, that if the game is close, Miami's going to win. And when Jason Sanders missed that field goal, I'm like, oh my God, I actually am going to will a one-point Chargers win into existence. And this is where Justin Herbert's got to take a little bit of a hit here. That intentional grounding is inexcusable. It was not like he was pressured to a point where he needed to go and make that throw. That changed the entire feel and complexion of the drive. And how's the Dolphin defense stunk yesterday. They gave up 200 yards of rushing. The Chargers were scoring it well, but I'll give them credit for this. The game was on the line. The Chargers only needed a field goal. And when they needed the big stop and they needed to make the big play, hey, they found a way to do it. You know what, JJ? Yesterday was a, please allow me to reintroduce myself. My name is Tua, T to the UA. That was awesome. I loved seeing him with those weapons. The extra weight, he's carrying it very well. I thought he moved well. And nobody had any concerns about the, the capacity of that Dolphins offense to generate this kind of firepower. All of the questions relate to can Tua stay on the football field. I'm knocking on wood as loud as I can because I love to see it. You and me both. And, and, and look, man, if the Dolphins can be this version of themselves, they have the talent on both sides of the ball. And I, I, I you know, I left the Dolphins. I, I think I had them making the playoffs, but not winning. The um the division simply because of the Tua question mark. But you know, come on, Tua. If you could stay healthy, it's fantastic. And your point about when it really came time for the defense to step up, that last drive of the game by the Chargers, they did it. So Fangio, let's let them have a little bit extra time. The season is a marathon, not a sprint. The personnel um is there. They have the talent. Ramsey being out, you know, that's an adjustment. So let's see over the course of the season what Fangio cooks up. But, man, that was a really fun game to watch, an awesome performance by by Tua and, and, and Cheetah, right? Raheem, I got to say this, buddy. Uh, you were all over the over when we did the digital show. I'm glad that we didn't have that conversation for our friends at FanDuel TV because I'm like, oh, you know, Tua didn't play great against the Chargers last year, week one. And listen, we did see – a whole lot of sloppy performances from offenses. Like, there, there's no getting around that. But that Charger Dolphin game didn't exactly uh, fit the bill there, Raheem. So nice quality over. Give you credit. Oh, no, no problem with that. Um, the one thing I will say, I'm I'm a little concerned with this Dolphins defense. Um, You know, like, to me, the Chargers didn't really impress me in terms of the way we thought they would with the addition of Kellen Moore. Like, Herbert's air yards were still like amongst the same as they were last year. Like well, he wasn't throwing down, the... You know what it is for him? They ran it down their freaking throats. They you did. You know what I mean? So I, in fairness to Kellen Moore and the Chargers, 
I can't get on the air attempts for Justin Herbert when you're getting nine and ten yards of carry. I mean, if anything, the two complaints that I had for the Chargers, they had a third and one. They're running it well. They had a 10, 15-yard sack. Inexcusable play call. And then the Herbert yeah. intentional grounding. But, like, I don't know what you're supposed to do there when you're running it nine and ten yards a clip. You know what I mean, dude? I mean, that's fair, but I mean, we came into this year saying that, you know, they would be a drastically different offense and they weren't that, but I agree. Like they ran it down the throat and it is a concern that the Dolphins weren't able to stop the run. So I think that's something that you have to look forward to. And then also you got to remember like they're, Without Jalen Ramsey, they don't really have the corners. Now, Vic Fangio, he dialed up the blitz on that last possession to get it done. But it is something that we have to kind of look forward to. Um, Will the Dolphins be able to just slow down opposing defenses? Well, and that's one test for them coming up Sunday night. And we'll get into that a lot more on Thursday uh, with Ramondre Stevenson and the New England Patriots, who are going to try to run at will against the Miami Dolphins. They do not want to get in a track meet with the Miami Dolphins, because simply put, they're not going to be able to keep up. Um, if there's one line now, Raheem, that we should be monitoring, we mentioned Cleveland and Pittsburgh Monday night and the overreaction and the shift that we've seen as far as perspective is concerned for week two. Is there another one that early in the week, and we're not locking anything in yet, maybe or if you really like the number, but give me something that we should be keeping an eye on as far as where the market could move potentially for week two. Mm. There's a couple of these. I think you're going to see some, I think you're going to see some Cincinnati Bengals money, um, largely because of the injuries to Baltimore's offensive line. Um, I think people don't expect Cincinnati to go 0-2. Um, I think another one that's really, really interesting to me is that Seattle and Detroit game. Um, obviously, Detroit is coming off of a Thursday night win over the defending champion Kansas City Chiefs and the Seattle Seahawks. I mean, they disappointed against the Rams. So you can expect that line to go up. And we've already seen sixes in the market. The look-ahead line on that game was Lions minus two and a half. So... I think I may find myself on Seattle because I think that's an overreaction. And then just to give you another one, I think you're going to see some over money in that New England versus Dolphins game. We, we already discussed the Dolphins defense and the Dolphins offense. So those are three that I'm looking at right now. House, is there anything that has caught your eye early for week two? I know you've taken a peek. Yeah, so I am going to move on the Dallas Jets line because you know, the, the outcome of tonight's Monday night football game will, will shift that. But I just love the idea of Dallas only laying the standard three at home, their first game at home an adverse situation for the jets. You know, uh, there is a rest advantage for Dallas, you know, with, with the jets coming in off of Monday night, plus the fact that this jets team, and we'll get to this as we sort of talk through our forecasting, for, for the Monday night game against the Bills, it feels like they haven't landed on the, the 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 version of their offense yet. And I don't want a team that doesn't know its perfect offensive identity going up against Dallas. Because what we saw out of Dallas yesterday against the Giants, that it's just dream use the word. It's the fastest defense I think I've ever seen. No hyperbole, no overstatement. They are lightning quick. 
and it's just a tough situation. So I probably will fire on Dallas today. Hopefully this podcast goes up in enough time for folks to listen to this thing before 820 tonight. If you can catch Dallas at three, I feel like that's a great number, Dream. The one thing I will say is that I'm kind of hoping that the Jets win this game. Because if the Jets win this game, then I think you're going to get even a better price. You want to win a number. So basically what you're telling me, Raheem, and this is obvious, we get a Rodgers vintage picturesque performance against Buffalo. You're telling me that three could maybe drop? Maybe I could get it at like two and a half or two? I mean, you're not going to get, you're not going to get anything lower than three. I mean, Fandle has three right now. Yeah, Fandle has three right now. But it's just like, I mean, I would be fine with laying three with the Cowboys um, as opposed to three and a half. So um, I'm just going to wait to see what I see tonight. Um, Obviously, if the Jets lose, then this number is going up on the Cowboys. Um, One that I'm keeping an eye on, guys. Tampa Bay, who is very good to me. Very, very good to me. Week one against the Minnesota Vikings. Had him in a little money line sprinkle. Said it was the rat bet of the week. Uh, you get made if you ended up taking Minnesota. It did not go well for you. Uh, I see them laying a field goal against the Chicago Bears who can't play a lick of defense. That's one I have circled. Like, uh, And that line moved a lot. It was a one and a... Chicago was the over-inflated week two line because of Baker Mayfield and because of the fact that just people didn't want to back the Bucs. Uh, House, I'd be okay laying three with Tampa. That's one I circled. I'm going through and I'm like, all right, I might grab that one now. Yeah, you know what? It doesn't scare me because that Tampa defense was was pretty good. We forget that they have some talent on, on the defensive side of the ball. That didn't change. You know, the big question mark for Tampa was on the offensive side of the ball. But it, more importantly, it's the exact same three-win Chicago Bears team that we saw sorry-ass last season. They are not any different, and they are not any better. Uh, Justin Fields still can't throw the ball down the field. DJ Moore was irrelevant. It doesn't matter if you have DJ Moore, if the quarterback can't throw the ball to him and all of the yardage that the bears, if you look at the offensive performance for fields, it's all garbage time. They did absolutely nothing when the game really, really mattered. That offensive line is still a disaster and it's still a bottom three defense. So sure. I liked, I like the idea of Tampa at home, getting the standard home field advantage. That's fine by me dream. I like Tampa on the initial line, but I think there is a point where this is a market and I think you kind of have to buy low, sell high. And at what point are you paying a premium for this Tampa Bay team? I mean, they're laying three now. And I think before this line was Tampa plus one and a half. So that's a large line move. And when you look at that Tampa versus Minnesota game, like to me, Tampa got outplayed in that game. Like, this is a team that, what, they had 242 total yards, 3.6 yards per play compared to the Vikings, 5.9 yards per play. Um, this was a team that was 6 for 17 on third down. Like, to me, this is a team that pretty much made out because Minnesota had three turnovers. So I don't find myself wanting to lay three with the Buccaneers in this spot now. I don't have a ton of respect for this Bears team at all. I think they're garbage on both sides of the ball. Justin Fields hasn't thrown, like he can't throw the ball down the field. Like this is a guy who's just basically, he's a running back at quarterback. But I think laying three here is an overreaction. Boys, when we come back, we have a Monday night football game to break down. 
could argue it's the game of the week, matchup of the week. Aaron Rodgers, Josh Allen, the Bills, and the Jets. I have a strong feel on the game. I feel like perception on this game is starting to shift against me. And in a way, I kind of like that. All right, we're coming right back. All right, boys. Monday Night Football. We've talked about this one ad nauseum. The Bills. The Jets. The Bills installed as a a two-and-a-half point favorite. You saw this line drop as low as one-and-a-half. Now it's kind of stabilized at two. I've said it all along, House. Raheem, I like the Bills in this game. I think it's an adjustment period for the Jets out of the gate with Aaron Rodgers. I think sometimes that emotion that could be in the crowd could work against you. We've seen that a lot in these sort of particular spots. And I think Buffalo with a chip on their shoulder, Buffalo losing to the Jets last year, and the Jets having concerns and trouble on that offensive line. I'm going to lay two. I didn't like the market moving against me, but you know what? Tough luck. That's the way it goes. How's sticking with it? I'm on Buffalo lane two tonight. Yeah, JJ, I still don't yet have a strong conviction on a side in this game, but I do have have a play. Uh, I the, the Jets defense last year did not give up um, more than 20 points in either of the games against the Bills. They held the Bills to the lowest yardage of the season uh, in, in those two games. They had eight sacks and two picks. Uh, Josh Allen. And, you know, on the other side of the ball, the Buffalo defense, they're finally healthy. Micah Hyde, Jordan Poyer, Tredavious White. We expect to see all those guys. They they held the Jets in check, but they were up against uh, Zach Wilson and Mike White. So just complete unknowns. The angle that I feel like I'm going to play here is the under. The total is sitting at 45 and a half. I think I prefer the under as as the play on this game, mainly because of the transition that you just identified with the the Jets offense. And then, you know, the Jets defense is is legit. So I I don't, um, I'm not concerned about the idea that uh, uh, Josh Allen's going to come out and just light them up. The other thing about Aaron Rodgers over the last handful of years, they start out slow. If you look at um, the totals that that Aaron Rodgers, you know, the, the Green Bay Packers over the last handful of years, they don't score in, in, in week one. So I, I, I like the idea of um, Jets offense in, in in transition. That unit, both Dwayne Brown and Mekhi Becton, Becton coming off of, uh, you know, injury situation. It's like the first time with this offensive line, first time with a lot of this talent on the offensive side. My play is on the under. There's also a little forecast for light rain in there, Dream. So I agree with the under. I do think, I mean, this line has moved from 47, 48 to 45 and a half. So you're not getting the best of the number, but I do agree with the under. I think House named all of the reasons why um, this is a a solid play. Um, I definitely think if you're going to play this, if this goes to 44, I think 44 is key. So you don't want to, you don't want to go under that point. But um, I I do agree with House. I think I I like the name. I'm glad you brought that up, Raheem. I'm glad you brought that up because I like the under. I haven't bet it yet. House made a very compelling case. The words you just used are perfect. 44, you would say for me or anybody out there, is the point of no return where you'd say, nah, you got to let it go. Like 45 and a half, you still think I'm getting a good good enough value and a good enough feel for the under. Yes. Um, I mean... We all know with NFL, there's key numbers. So, um, you, you like, we all know about three, seven, um, 
on the point differential side, but on the the total side, you're looking at like 41, you're looking at um, 44, you're looking at 51, you're looking at all of these key numbers. So um, because there's so many sevens and threes. So um, I think 44 would be the max on this. Me personally, I like the, I like the jets in this game. Um, To me, I think you look at, what the Jets did last year. They were competitive in those games and they had Zach Wilson, who was 61st and EPA plus completion over expectation 56 in success rate. And they still were out there competitive. And I think you add Aaron Rodgers, Rodgers to this team and you look at the bills, they still have an offensive line, which isn't very good. And I'm just looking at this as a game where, in a, in a lower scoring game, you guys like the under. The points are a little bit more valuable. So I'm expecting whoever to win wins this game to be by a field goal or so. So I'm looking at the Jets to, to come out and possibly win this game outright. Wow, little heads up action on Monday night. But it sure seems like we are aligned with a family play on the under, which I am firing on FanDuel as we speak. 45 and a half. I am not missing that number anymore. And if there's one guy I'm going to look to target, fellas, from a prop standpoint, I like Dalvin Cook tonight. Dalvin Cook going against his brother. I think the Jet backfield dynamic. I know Brees Hall's back, but we're talking about someone coming off a torn ACL. I think the Jets are going to kind of tread lightly with him as far as building him up and trying to get his workload to where it needs to be. I think you're going to see Dalvin Cook. Maybe I'm looking for him over rushing yards, and I might even sprinkle Dalvin Cook to go and score a touchdown tonight. I mean, baby bro's on the other side of the field. He's got to show up house, you know? I don't have any problem with that. Go in the player props market down there at the FanDuel.com. I'm sure his anytime touchdown number is good. It's got to be at least, what, plus 750 or maybe even better than that, right? Nah, oh, no, 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 no. We're not getting that. Maybe, maybe first touchdown of the game. I might have to really get degenerate and sprinkle on that. I would say, you know, I did that for the first game of the year. I took the uh, the Lion tight end, Laporta. It's a fun bet to root for, but it's it's not the best. Let's just, <laughs> just put it that way. Kiss, it's a, it's a major sprinkle. That's it. It's a sprinkle. It's a sprinkle. <laughs> well, boys, we'll be back on Thursday. We'll have all our thoughts ready to rock for week two. Um, the content doesn't stop. Uh, I guess as a final thought, Raheem, you did your first live television show. House gave us some thoughts. How do you think it went? I think it went well. Um, I'm, I'm still mad about that Pittsburgh Steelers pick. That was like the only thing I gave out on there that just went completely left. But besides that, I think it went really well. Um, Cousin Sal was a lot of fun. Um, it's, it's great to welcome him into the family. So um, we'll be back next week and we'll, we'll turn up again, hopefully get some winners. You know, House, when your connection went out, and I can tell the audience this now because, listen, we made it through the show successfully. Um, you... We're in the Zoom screen, but you were not able to be fired up graphically yet on television. So I could see House is like, JJ, pick me, pick me, pick me. And I'm like, ready to go to you. And the guys are like, no, go to Raheem. I'm like, okay, we're going to Raheem. All right, this is what we're doing. That's how the sausage gets made, baby. Uh, hopefully between week one and week two, we can iron out whatever leprechauns are hiding in the, the internet here in Washington, D.C., the line was like minus 450 that somebody's internet would have a problem. And Guaranteed. then it was like, 10, yeah. And, and, then, and then it was like 10 to one that it was going to be me. I mean, or no, the, the odds, the other direction, the other direction. But I got to uh, say, I, I just rewatched 
like between the 12, 30, one o'clock window, I didn't hear our thoughts, but I kind of just fast forwarded the show. I had a DVR on my TV. There was never a moment house where our four box featured a black screen. So our guys, Jack and the crew did a fantastic job of covering up the fact that we had to get your internet back to where it needed to be. So, Hey, I've given you a little inside info, folks, of how we did the Ringer Wise guys, and we made it through week one. And listen, first show in the books, gave out winners. What's the complaint about? That's what I'm saying. Let's go. Let's just keep giving out yeah. winners. That's all. All right. So we'll be back Thursday with another edition of East Coast Bias on the Ringer Gambling feed on FanDuel TV. The three of us and Cousin Sal every Sunday, 11 o'clock Eastern. The Ringer Wise guys will have our best bets. We'll get made. Uh, we'll have our underdog of the week, uh, man's best bet. We got we got some more wrinkles that we're going to be in the lab drawn up between now and Sunday. So a lot coming from the triple threat, plus our buddy Sal. Boys are out. Enjoy your Monday. Catch some tickets. Be good, everybody. Must be 21 and present in select states. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas. Under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino, LLC. Gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit FanDuel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Tennessee, and Virginia. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text next step to 53342 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com in Kansas. 1-877-770-STOP in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net in West Virginia or call 1-800-522-4700 in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit GamblingHelpLineMA or call 1-800-327-5050 for 24-7 support in Massachusetts or call 1-877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY in New York.